Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to What That Old Queen, a candid and adult take on queer life quandaries at a certain age. So listen at your own peril. Presented by Bernie and Tommy, their views are their own, and like a vampire have no reflection on the platform you're listening on. Now, please let your hairs be upstanding for the old. Children of the night, what sweet music they make, Tommy. I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) That's brilliant. You whipped that one up. I did, didn't I? Yeah. Well, it's our special Halloween episode. I just wish every day was Halloween. (laughs) Wow, that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And like queer people's affinity with... Halloween and the Day of the Dead and gothic horror and horror movies and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of an obvious connection, but it's good to unpick, isn't it? Yeah, and I I went down a bit of a rabbit hole with it, which we'll talk about later. Well, you wrote a PhD, <laughs> pretty much. Wrote a PhD. I've, I've got some time on my hands during you know COVID times, so <laughs> I probably went a bit too deep, to be honest, which happens occasionally. Um, anyway, how's your week been? I have to say, the last two weeks has been probably the most challenging of the whole period for me. Really? Why? Um, Well, I've got this new cat that disappeared the day after. Well, I only had him for an afternoon, and then he ran away. Yeah. Um, George Michael is his name. Um, But he's safely at home now. (laughs) He is. After a week on the streets. He's joining us for the... um the podcast he sat on my lap as we speak he's beautiful 
So yeah. what happened? What, he did a bit of a disappearing act on you, right? Yeah, he just bolted out the door when I had the door slightly ajar and then just wouldn't come back despite many uh, attempts and callings and stuff. He's very scared. He's a rescue cat. So, um, you know, you have to sort of be very sensitive and delicate with him. Yeah. Um, and I tried everything to get him back. I joined all the Facebook groups for lost cats, which is just trauma. You know, they just talk about, I've just found a dead cat. It's wearing a Del Monte collar. Oh my is it God. yours? I'm like, I don't remember putting a Del Monte collar. <laughs> I'll have the collar. Yeah. <laughs> but you could keep the cat. Yeah. Um, I put signs up in the local area. Right. Um, I asked all the neighbours and they're like, oh yes, I've seen the sign. Um, but, uh, and and um, join the next door neighbour app, which is just boring as hell. Right. Um, but do you know what paid off for me? What network? Grinder. Yes. <laughs> How did I know? <laughs> it was Grinder that came through in the search for George Michael. Wow. Yeah, so I asked the immediate um, profiles in my area. And then Saturday, Sunday morning, I was just sat having breakfast and I got some um, alerts. And uh, someone was just sending a picture of George Michael on the wall. Um, and so I nipped out to see, and then I could see him, but he was hiding under a massive pile of skips. Right. <laughs> and um, and he wouldn't come out. And a bit like the real George Michael. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't. <laughs> uh, it took him some time. Um, and then the cat's home had already given me a cat trap. Yeah. Um, so I climbed over this very precarious wall, um, quite high wall. It's wasn't advisable for a man of my age to be doing that right. and planted the cat trap and um, just waited really until and we watched and then we watched and then we saw him gradually come out of the skip Aww. and go slowly and tentatively into the cat trap and as he walked in to eat the treats that I'd put in there mm. the door just slowly shut behind him and we were able to take him back but since then he's just been... Um, Pooing and shitting um, and vomiting. Not vomiting, actually. That's me. <laughs> Just pooing and shitting everywhere, including a shit on my pillow, which is not nice, but... Um, Little gift. He's beautiful, so I forgive him. Yeah. Yeah, I think he can get away with murder. Mm. Bless him. <laughs> <laughs> How's your week been? My week's been fine. I've just been kind of... in trenched in why queer people are obsessed with Halloween, really, which has been a bit of an eye-opener mm. in many respects. And I went down a lot of avenues with, like, LGBTQ plus people in, you know, ancient tribes and things like that, being the, the witch doctors or the medicine people mm. and the shamans and how a lot of trans people are finding witchcraft. They're finding solace and connection in it today. And a sense of belonging in I, terms of I creating their own covens and things like that. Yeah, I certainly do. I cast a spell to get George Michael back. Well, there you go. And and then I went went down another rabbit hole about investigations into psychic stuff in Victorian times and, and mediums and how it was quite empowering for women at that time to become mediums because they could hold the room and then talk about about stuff they weren't allowed to talk about usually through uh, voices of male spirits and things like mm. that. Did they actually do the male voices? Uh, apparently so, yeah. And there was one group of obviously male scientists who would only talk about mediumship with the female medium 
through a male spirit because they thought that that male spirit had more uh, knowledge than she did because obviously it was a male. Well, not much has changed on that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> obviously the male spirit, spirit was mansplaining mediumship. <laughs> but then I got on to gothic horror literature and films mm. which there's a whole section in the cabinet of curiosities so should we should we open it up yeah george and, michael's banging his head against the microphone yeah if you can it, the, the things which are going bump in the night aren't ghosts it's george michael headbutting the microphone stand <laughs> I, might, I might put him down not put him down <laughs> so yeah so we open the cabinet of curiosities and see what's in the the gothic horror section why not okay it's all yeah. still a bit creaky and spooky in here so we're going past country and western oh yeah um classical queer cinema well it's near queer cinema because it's 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 horror and gothic home decoration home, that's the other side um so it's like a department store in here it is a little bit but it's very dusty it's like gardner haskins used to be <laughs> cliff richard playing yeah. in the background yeah well you know i've turned it down <laughs> so so we've always been on the fringes of society historically in many countries around the world we still are and homosexuality was illegal in this country it still is illegal in in many other countries and has the death penalty so we're always on the fringes and with that comes censorship so where there was an outlet for artists who were so inclined in the past has been gothic literature and then film which mm. is probably why so many gay queer lgbtq plus people have an affinity with with horror and mm. gothic horror. So if you're on an if you're an outsider, yeah, you're interested in stories that portray other outsiders. You want to see your own story reflected back. Well, yeah, I guess. And so we have we have a lot of kind of gothic writers who saw the horror genre as a bit of an outlet for them. So the connection between gay fiction and horror goes back to the Gothic novels of the 1790s and early 1800s. Many Gothic authors were homosexual. The traditional explanation of the gay-slash-horror connection is that it was impossible for them to write openly about gay themes back then or even perhaps express them since words like gay and homosexual didn't exist, which you've mentioned before, I think. I um, was banging on about that. <laughs> so they expressed them in more acceptable forms using the medium of a transgressive genre like horror fiction. I um, like the word transgressive. Yeah, I wish I knew what it meant. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of moving into some other realm. Yeah, totally. And we mentioned last week, so the first lesbian vampire novella, Carmilla, by Sheridan L. Fenu, and the picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde shocked readers with their sensuality and overtly homosexual characters. There's even gay subtext in Bram Stoker's Dracula, as the title character warns off the female vampires and claims Jonathan Harker saying... This man belongs to me. 
I mean, we've all been there. <laughs> Feels like he's being a little bit possessive. <laughs> um, but you know a little bit more about Bram Stoker, don't you? Well, I was fortunate enough to spend uh, a week in Stratford-upon-Avon in the Shakespeare archive. Mm. And in the Shakespeare archive, weirdly, there's the, there's the, also they contain the archive of the Lyceum Theatre, Oh, and right. that was the theatre that Bram Stoker was the theatre manager of. Right. And where he, where, I think Bram Stoker was the theatre manager and Henry Irving was the artistic director. Right. Um, and there has been some talk about the two of them engaged in a homosexual relationship. Right. Um, oh, it says here anyway, shall I read that next bit? because it's on this label. Yeah. Um, Bram Stoker was a closeted gay man and close friend of Oscar Wilde, and he began writing Dracula just as Wilde was sentenced to hard labour after conviction for sodomy. There was, I think there was a bit of wife swapping as well. Maybe Bram Stoker's wife was promised to, or was engaged to Wilde originally. I don't know. Look that up. Because okay. I'm not the expert. Um, um, but the book Dracula explores Stoker's fear and anxiety as a closet homosexual during Oscar Wilde's trial. And uh, this pe- peculiar tonality of horror derives from Stoker's emotions at this unique moment in gay history. It, it was really, it's really interesting hearing that, isn't it? Because you, Dracula is one of the novels that I read when I was a teenager and I fell in love with it. Again, probably because I'm gay. Mm. but Dracula is this romantic figure who is on the fringes and you could and I I never knew about this connection with Oscar Wilde but you can kind of see it in a way can't mm. you yeah definitely and Dorian Gray is just um well it's horrific really isn't it like it's, yeah. it's quite frightening the thought of a picture of you up in the attic yeah well, expressing know, all your sins are we talking about the film later we're going to be talking about yeah. the film later yeah I got a got to remember Angela Lansbury because she's in that film. Oh, yes. Amazing. (laughs) Um, So gay and lesbian readers have been quick to identify with the representation of the vampire, which I've just said, suggesting its experiences parallel those of the sexual outsider. There's a necessity of secrecy and the persistence of forbidden passion and the fear of discovery. With vampires having been a recurring metaphor for same-sex desire before Bram Stoker's Dracula. I mean, I've always likened being a vampire to being gay. Because you like the night time. I like to bite. (laughs) Do you like to bite? Uh, Sometimes, yeah. I'm biting a nut as we speak. (laughs) Yeah, they're not not my nuts, then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Have you got another one? Do you know about the Hayes Code? A little bit. I don't. So this is news to me. Okay. Um, Queer themes were explored somewhat covertly as in literature uh, um, as large publishers made it difficult to get distributed. Similarly, in 1934 to 1967, Hollywood movies shaped by the production code, otherwise known as the Hayes Code, were written in in 1930. It was a set of rules that generally intended to keep movies from corrupting their audience. Now, if you'd ever listened to um, You Must Remember This, right. which is a brilliant podcast, um, 
it goes into quite detail around those things, actually, specifically some films that were banned because they were viewed as immoral. Right. There's a, a lesbian one, and I think it's called something like Eight Women or something like that. Yeah. And I can't seem to find it anywhere. So if anyone's good at finding old movies online, then... Yeah, it must be available now, right? In touch. Unless they burnt them all back then. Yeah. So homosexuality was considered a psychological disorder in the early 20th century. Uh, so it effectively limited a queer presence out of existence. So cinematic queers were relegated to subtext, as with early literature. So as those authors did, filmmakers found creative ways to subvert the system. And the horror genre, again, supplied these queer veils. Another queer veil. <laughs> <laughs> Especially a horror one. <laughs> Would you be able to see your fangs through it or not? I mean, I've got this massive black hat with a black lace veil. Uh, it's very COVID friendly. I know, I've experienced it. Yeah, I used to take people underneath it Ooh. and share gossip with them. But now I can't do that. No. Um, so I can just wear it to the shop. Yeah. <laughs> Especially on Halloween. And purchase my pint of gay milk. Um, <laughs> so have you, got, have you got another one for us? Horror films in particular have made for fascinating case study in the evolving perceptions of queer presence. Queer horror filmmakers and actors were often forced to lean into the trope of the predatory gay or the monstrous gay to claim some sense of power through visibility and blatant expressions of sexuality. And now I would argue that that still is quite dominant. I think it is. And I, uh, we're going to come on to a list of films in a minute that we're going to talk about with our guest, mm. which go from the 1940s all the way up to modern day. Mm. So we're going to give you your, your, your top 10 queer-ish horror films to watch. But yeah, I think it, it happens all the time. There's so many. Even if you look at something like... Um, gimme, gimme, gimme. Is it, uh, you know, those characters are just grotesque and monstrous, and we love it for it. Yeah. But. Well, if, if you look at someone like Divine, mm. who uh, the whole persona was grotesque and monstrous and, uh, like, serial killer-like, and that's why people loved her. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it very much follows through into into modern day. And if, Di if Divine were alive today, she'd have a field day in this flat eating all the shit <laughs> that George Michael has been producing. Well, that's a court profilia horror film in the making. Anyway, <laughs> so our last little trinket for the moment from the uh, Cabinet of Curiosities. So even though Hollywood execs refused to show explicit queerness during the first true horror booms in American cinema, they were willing to pay for stories about social out outcasts and sexually non-normative figures. Horror fans thus found themselves awash in some of the genre's most iconic queer-coded characters of all time, where ultimately the monster himself ends up the selfless hero, which became something of a trope in early horror. Many focus solely on their queer protagonists, suggesting that it is the monster queer whom the audience really comes to see and identifies with, and not the heterosexual heroes and heroines. That's a turn up for the book. Well, I think, and I, and I think that's more true today than ever, because 
so many main characters are kind of anti-heroes, aren't they? Mm. They're very human. They're, they're not like pure good or pure evil. Mm. They're a little bit of both, like we all are. Mm. I mean, they're all talking about that on the radio, like this is the character that I really related to, but they're vile. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Thinking about all of these things, actually, I kept thinking about Ryan Murphy. Yes. And American Horror Story. Yeah. Which I don't think we're covering today. We're not we're not going into that. No, but but we can talk about it. But there's so much like there's so much in those um, in that series. My particular favourite is The Coven. Yes. And And I just love that so much that. I, I want, like, although it's available on Netflix, I wanted to own it in some way. So yeah. I bought the DVD. Oh, amazing. I loved that one. Um, well, we're going to have our own little coven here tonight. So I'm not, we're not leaving the cabinet of curiosities for the time being. We're going to wait for our guests to arrive. I'm very promiscuous with my covens. <laughs> Good. I'm in a few at the moment. <laughs> so we've got Darren Flaxton, who is an award winning documentary editor but he's also a queer filmmaker and he's the second darren this season he's the second darren we we might go for a hat trick with a third one by the end oh yeah (laughs) darren brown what is it what is more than one darren how what would you call uh melange (laughs) should it be a deviant of darren's (laughs) (laughs) if we're going on a theme Mm. So, yeah, he's award-winning, and um, he's also got an encyclopedic mind about films, so we can talk about some of these horror films after we've had a little bit of an interview with him. But should we have a little bit of a break now and wait for him to arrive in the throne room? And then we'll, we'll talk to him after the break. Sure. Okay. We will be back after. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This. You look tired. Why don't you stay here a while and rest? And listen to the sea. So soothing. Listen to it. Listen. Listen to the sea. Listen to the sea. Listen to the sea. Listen to the sea. So we're back, and we have a prestigious guest. We do. We have an wearing the lovely shirt, Darren. Thank you. It's a bit youth of Joyce, I thought, but you know. <laughs> Just describe the shirt for for our our lovely listeners. I would say it's slightly Hawaiian chic, but with a modern kind of you know edge gap type edge. Yeah, very leafy. It's not too much. Yeah, v- very leafy. So, Dar- Darren, you're an award-winning editor and uh, and filmmaker and queer filmmaker. Yeah, I'm not won awards for all of those, but yes, I, I've, I've dabbled, uh, as you know. Yes. <laughs> in in uh, making some films as well as editing a few a few things over the years. You've actually worked together quite a bit. We have Darren put me in a lot of films. <laughs> Bernie, Bernie was my muse for a, a period of time. <laughs> we, we did about four very low budget films together and and um had a had a hysterical time really didn't we doing them they were hard work but we had huge fun have yeah. you got a new muse no not yet i'm looking i'm thinking maybe you two could double up maybe this, this could be the new way forward yeah <laughs> well um because we grew up within a stone's throw of each other didn't we because we're, we're both from kent and we're we're both born in the same year, and you started making films when you were a teenager, and you used to find it very difficult to find people to be in it. Whereas if we were actually friends, <laughs> I would have can, just can been in all, all the films. <laughs> we were separated by what twenty five miles. I know it's crazy, and we only met and when, I was, in Bristol. I was forcing people at school to act in my horror films and sci-fi really cheap sci-fi movies if i mean it had bernie had i known i know i would have been there (laughs) it would have been like john waters and divine it would have been a bit like bonnie and clyde i think (laughs) but let's talk about some of your award-winning stuff so you've done africa Life story, uh, my life as a turkey. I mean, that sounds like the story of my life anyway. Uh, protecting our children, um, drugs land. I mean, some of it's natural history. Some of it's quite gritty real life stuff, isn't it? Yes, it's a, it's a real mishmash. Just when I get bored of fluffy bunnies, uh, you know, there's some more hard hitting, you know, documentary will come along and it's just enough to balance it out or, or a bit of bake off or whatever. I'm up for anything, mate. Yeah. Oh, you and you also did Sound of the Cinema, the music that made the movies, and I loved that yeah, series. That was a great series. I really enjoyed that. It was like a BBC Three thing, 
I don't know if anybody watched it, but um, no, I, I love films and film music and that whole, you know, to me, that's a magic combination. So that was a real pleasure to work on that. And I did the, uh, the more classical sound of cinema, the kind of golden age of Hollywood straight through to the John Williams stroke Hans Zimmer type, you know, big budget. So, yeah, I love that. Did I read that you worked with Mel and Sue? Uh, I did. I did a, a Christmas thing with them a few years ago. Yeah, what I didn't was that work like? with them directly. Um, it was it was Mary Mel and Sue's Christmas adventure or something. I don't know. It was like a one-off Christmas special where uh, Mary Berry would, turns up to help them with some in some Welsh village. It it was quite surreal. So, as you're the it, editor, do you get to see all the outtakes and do you keep some of them for your private library? I get to see just about everything, yes. But not, I, I haven't kept many things. <laughs> just a few. Bernie. Uh, just a few choice trinkets. <laughs> I didn't know that. I was just asking that off the top of my head, dude. Um, <laughs> I haven't got anything, anything of yours, any outtakes of yours, Bernie, to put it that way. Um, no, well, we keep those quiet anyway. I d- you've got quite an interesting lockdown story, haven't you? Because you spent most of this year in Tasmania. Well, you know, this is the thing about coming on your podcast is I'm quite starstruck, actually, even though I've known Bernie for a, a long time. But um, I literally arrived in Tasmania to do a, 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 a quite surreal documentary about quolls, which is a strange spotty marsupial. And I arrived the week of lock, well, basically a few days before lockdown kicked in over here. It was a very strange time to be traveling and to leave loved ones back here. And to see the news and how bad it was it was going, of course, it was locked down in Tasmania as well, but it's a, a very different story over there being only, what, 500,000 people or something. Um, but your podcast, to me, just kept me going. I, every Monday morning, I'll get the new episode. I think it's from your second series, but I was catching up the first series as well. So that was a real comfort to me, actually, and I'm sure it is to many people. Oh, around the world. Well, thank you for saying that. <laughs> I like the way you slipped around the world. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, you are indeed a global phenomenon. You apparently two. so. <laughs> if if what somewhat very cult, <laughs> in that only a handful of people all around the world actually listen to us. So, <laughs> but you have an encyclopedic knowledge of film. Because I thought you were you, going to say trash there. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, trash and film, uh, which is probably why we get on so well, because, I mean, we both love similar things, don't we? So we're, we're we both do. a bit we geeky. We have very similar taste in films, don't we? And, you know, especially the horror-type films, Hitchcock films, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, we could we could talk for hours about it. Yeah, well, we're still in our cabinet of curiosities. We've oh, got, wow, the doors haven't closed yet. The doors haven't closed. We're staying in the Cabinet of Curiosities for a while. And there is a Hitchcock one at the beginning. There's a couple of Hitchcocks in the, here. In the first shelf. Yeah, we're in the, we went past the Country and Western and Classical, and we've headed for the Gothic Horror section. And we've already talked about literature and how um, queer authors kind of express themselves in literature and how early kind of queer lgbtq plus themes and filmmakers were kind of slipped in under a veil in horror movies and that kind of theme continues today so with that we've got our top 10 queerish horror films for this halloween which i've given you a list of but um i don't know if you got it (laughs) 
a handful of this, yes. And, and a great list too, I have to say, Bernie. Yeah, well, the thing is, is that you can put so many films into this, couldn't you? That there's there's so many films out there. Oh yeah, and there's so many that just immediately sprang to mind when you first mentioned it, and of course you can't squeeze them all on there. But it's fascinating how many of these quite obscure movies from the 30s and 40s actually went are still influencing people now or in recent years. Even like people like Annie Rice and the Interview of a Vampire, that kind of thing. She will outwardly say what influenced her, and it's a lot of these films on your list. Or- yeah, but let's go back to the. I'm gonna. I'm dusting off a, a, a DVD from the 1940s, and it is a Hitchcock film, and it's Rebecca, <gasps> which, Rebecca. which lots of people probably won't think of as a horror film, mm. but it's it's quite sinister, and it's and it's ghostly. You know, there's the go. Yeah. The, there's a there's a there's a ghost that's really present. It might not be a physical manifestation of a ghost, but um, Rebecca is dominant yeah she's ever present but actually dead not there it's a haunted house film really isn't it yeah totally and mrs danvers is obviously my favorite uh, dame judith who's incredible exactly and it is just it's just beautifully portrayed by her or christian scott thomas depending on which one you're watching well yeah because the Diana Rigg did a version as well. She did, yeah. Yes, she did, yeah. Um, but there's a remake on Netflix at the moment, isn't there? But Which apparently yeah. they've played down the lesbian kind of link no. with Mrs. Danvers and Rebecca. But there's obviously a, an obsession and a love there between them, you know. Well, that's, that's, what's, that's what's always been unclear to me, whether Rebecca was in love with Mrs. Danvers or was it just one way? Well, she used to call what? her Danny, didn't she? Well, Mrs. Danvers, definitely. That is definitely what they were going for. I mean, Hitchcock did this a lot in his films, didn't he? In some ways, he pushed the boundaries of queer and gay characters. But they often were quite malevolent as well, obviously, because that was the only way we could be portrayed in in films. But um, I think, you know, the Daphne du Maurier novel, I think, is it downplayed in that a little bit more, even though Daphne du Maurier was apparently bisexual? Mm, I wouldn't put it past her. Oh, uh, it's of all the rage at the moment, right? <laughs> and, and even back then. <laughs> so another 1940s... Can I just say we can never go back to Mandalay again? <laughs> there was, a, there was a lesbian nightclub called Mandalay, wasn't there? Oh, Park? was there? Yeah. I want to go. go. Let's start another one. <laughs> I did do... I entered a lip-syncing competition in um, the Griffin yeah. years ago. Wow. It was before lip sync was a thing, really. But they did have a competition, and I lip synced the opening sequence to Rebecca. Did you? And everyone oh. just was like, "What the hell? What was that about?" What like everyone else this? was lip, lip syncing to Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> so the opening sequence to Rebecca. Yeah, amazing. I'd, I'd be. You get a standing ovation from me. <laughs> you should do the whole Mrs. Danvers scene where she gets Rebecca's underwear out. Oh, That'd of course. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when they're at the window and she's like, look, look, it's not far, is it? You could jump, couldn't you? Or something <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. I can't, I'm not doing it justice. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, so uh, we're moving on to a proper kind of lesbian theme is cat people. Oh, I love cat people. The story of a Serbian immigrant named Irina. 
<laughs> who must abstain from intimacy lest she awaken the curse of her descendants, which doom the women of her tribe to transform into murderous panthers should their desire be awakened. Well, if that isn't a metaphor for forbidden love, I don't know what else is. It's pretty obvious to me. <laughs> I don't think it was to the people who made the film back then, but... um. Well, it's certainly become that, hasn't it, over the years? Well, apparently it was. So a lot of a lot of these filmmakers, they knew what they were doing when they were they were putting these kind of veiled themes in, and it was their only outlet. Picture of Dorian Gray. We were talking about the book uh, by Oscar Wilde earlier. Obviously, that's um, a nineteen forty five movie and was remade in the noughties, I think, quite recently. Yes. Um, again, that's kind of quite overt. Yeah, in it, well, in it's kind being of being wild and everything. I'm sure yeah. it was sex a go go. But that's what I was saying earlier on. Was like I love Angela Lansbury in that film because yes, she does a right. little like she's like a little Cockney woman and she does she's something like 19 years old or something. Yeah. And she's got like a little. I think she sings a little song about a little bird or something. And she's yes. all Cockney. Yeah. Is she no, the one yeah. that um, Dorian kind of toys with? I think so. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've watched it. He pours with her for his own aim, I believe. Oh, okay. Of course. <laughs> Just to add another scar on that picture in the attic. But isn't it amazing that she was doing that in 1945 and she's still around? I think oh, she's still doing the stuff. She's brilliant. She's just amazing. I've, I've seen her version of Sweeney Todd as well, like the musical, and she's just brilliant. In it. Can we have her as a guest? I, I hope oh, so. She's not doing Murder, She Wrote at the moment, is she? Until they reboot it, of course. <laughs> well, with us two. <laughs> you're more rosemary in time i think you or, yeah arsenic and old lace um <laughs> right m- moving on to this kind of weird dress and a wig that we've got here to psycho wow another hitchcock now you were talking about making films as a kid i used to because of um i managed to get hold of a camcorder that was really heavy when I was about 12, we used to remake Psycho. We did the shower scene. We <laughs> did. Brilliant. We killed. We killed my dad. That was just what. Like my dad worked nights, and then he'd have a doze on the sofa watching the racing in the day. Mm. And I was like, would you, "Would you mind me just killing you?" For, for the camera. <laughs> yeah. So we did that on him. <laughs> I should just kill my sister. <laughs> That's a bit dark. <laughs> well. You know, we are we are the queer monsters. <laughs> the best thing about the shooting of my, you know the the filming of my dad was um, you know the killing, and he would go, Aah! and then there was a shot of him just looking up and go, "Was that all right?" <laughs> As all horror films should, really. But <laughs> so we come on, but we we jump to the nineteen sixties now uh, with a film by Robert Wise who did. Sound of Music, uh, Star Trek. West Side Story. uh, West Side Story. But he also did The Haunting, which is one of my favourite spooky ghosts. That black and white version is amazing. And it was one of the first ones, because we're back, we're in the 60s now, where one of the main characters was not a monster, but she was overtly lesbian. And she was just fabulously feminine. And yeah. not like malevolent or predatory. Which no. was quite something for those days. 
Yeah. It... Apparently not so lesbian in the novel, but in, implied. Yeah. They certainly pushed it in the film and the Netflix series as well, obviously completely and utterly. Mm. Uh, but no, it's a great film. What I you love don't it. see is far more scary than what you do see. I remember watching it in the late 90s in living in a bedsit in Bristol on my own uh, in the winter. And it was just on. And I'd watched it before, but I... For some reason, it was quite spooky, this bedsit that I used to live in, and I was convinced it was haunted. There was lots of weird things that went on, but I was absolutely petrified watching this movie, and that's why I love it so much, because I was just thought, this movie is black and white. It's from the 1960s, and I'm literally jumping out of my skin at it. Mm. Did you, you hold, hold them to a cold hand? I did. The scene is amazing where she think uh, Julie Harris thinks she's holding on to Claire Bloom's hand, who plays Theo, the lesbian character, and she's holding on tight in the dark, and the, the lights go on, of course, Theo's on the couch, and there's yeah. nobody there. Across uh, the room. Lynn. Yeah, across the room. Yeah. Whose hand was she holding? Oh, my God. Great stuff. Do you, I was going to say, do you find that horror films affect you in that same way that you were talking about these days? Not always, no. I, the, the weird thing is, I think I'm, I'm slightly more squeamish as I get older with stuff than I used to be. Um, but I don't tend to get that freaked out by horror movies. What about you, Darren? It, uh, actually, yeah, it's the gore that I find unsettling as I get older. I think me and Bernie went to go and see a... Uh, a remake of Piranha 3D a while ago. <laughs> and we both came out like shaking. Yeah. Because was... of the levels of gore. Not that it was scary, it was just so realistic. Yeah. It's, it was quite unsettling, but not in a good way. No. I, I much prefer mystery and ambience and atmosphere the older I get. <laughs> you know, I was unsettled the other day because I watched um, an ITV special that was presented by Trevor McDonald, who I still think is gorgeous, even though he's probably about 90. Yeah. <laughs> but I think he's hot still, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And it was, it, it was talking about a love affair between Myra Hindley and Rosemary West. Have oh you seen that? God. No. Because apparently they were, they were, they were, really they were lovers. Wow. Lesbian serial killer lovers. Yeah. Well, they're falling right back into the cliches, aren't they? There. I mean, Darren, we need to make that movie. Totally. <laughs> now, now we know what we're going to cast you two as. <laughs> you going to be Myra or Rose? Well, actually, someone messaged me actually on Grinder the other day mm. to say that they thought that my because I have an alter ego, Annette Curtains, saying yes. that she was very much like Rosemary West. My God, let's not even go there. <laughs> Moving on, should we go to the eighties, which was quite mon quite monstrous and quite gratuitous in many ways. So nothing happened in the seventies. Lots of stuff happened in the seventies, but some of those seventies films are on our list, unfortunately. Uh, we can talk about lesbian vampire movies and you know very sexualized uh, Dracula uh, with Christopher Lee, but we're not. Uh, Frank Langella, of course, yeah. I mean that. I mean that's high camp. Very, camp. <laughs> Very big uh, hair, yeah. <laughs> Love it. But we'll, we'll t let's talk about the hunger. <laughs> David Bowie, gorgeous film, and Catherine Deneuve. Mm. <laughs> Catherine Deneuve. Yeah, she's gone down in my estimation. Why? Oh, has she gone a bit like 
right wing or something. Yeah, she's gone a bit. Well, she was very anti the Me Too movement. Uh, she's gone a bit Bridget Bardot. Mm. Well, okay. But this film's oh, well. great. And it's uh, got an amazing uh, sequence where David Bowie waits in a doctor's waiting room and actually gets older while he's yeah. sat there. You can all relate to. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from we can't get a doctor's appointment. <laughs> well, well, I mean, we're growing old waiting for that doctor's appointment <laughs> on the phone, listening to that horrible music that they have on hold. Anyway, um, but wasn't that a huge metaphor for the AIDS crisis in many respects? Uh, when did it come out? 83. 83. So, it was right, kind of at the height. So I think there were a lot of themes going through, through it. With It was definitely uh, something that people were aware of then. And I'm sure it, it probably was, yeah. Is it written by Whitley Schreiber? Is that right? The um, novel that it was based on, I believe, who, who's done a few interesting uh, genre novels, novels in his time, hasn't he? But, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm sure it'd be interesting to find out whether it does actually tap into that or not. I'm sure it does. I mean, having watched it since, I linked it with that because the vampirism is a bit like a virus, isn't it? Yeah, they don't have fangs, do they? They use little knives and that, yeah. Yeah, they just need to, you know, feed on blood uh, to extend their youth, but then it just stops happening for David Bowie, doesn't it? That's an incredibly uh, sensual love scene, doesn't it? Mm, Between yeah. Catherine Deneuve and uh, Susan uh, That's right. Yes. Susan. It's, uh, yeah, it's quite, it's quite hot, isn't it? Yeah. So that's something from a gay man. Well, you know, um, uh, there's lots of kind of horror films which are quite overtly sexual, uh, another one on our list, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Which, oh, my God. Which I watched the other day. <laughs> and uh, Which I think I saw at the cinema uh, originally in Maidstone in Kent and watched it again the other day. And I have to admit, at the time, I didn't realise how homoerotic it was, but watching it the other day, I totally did. I mean, it is, um, it is no subtext there at all, is it? It is, like, gayer than Xanadu in some way. <laughs> No, I'm not kidding. It's like, how did they make this as a part of a big budget, you know, um, franchise horror thing? How did they get that gay subtext in there? I mean, it's the the guy himself plays the screen queen, doesn't he? Yes. The main character, Jesse. Yeah. He is what they call the last girl, which is usually the lone woman. Yeah. Who's then rescued or whatever. And he plays that role. Uh, not only the, and all the gay subtext and that you know there's a there's a is it is is Jim instructor or something Jim teacher his gym instructor is is quite gay and he has a, there's a whole dream sequence where he meets him in a gay bar like a leather How bar he get killed by Freddie he gets doesn't he get his ass whipped by a towel I th- yes because I think suddenly they're in the gym. <laughs> It's, you've got to see this film. It's not a great film, it, it's, but it's it's of its it's a, as a slice of time. Yeah, at the height of the AIDS crisis and everything, uh, Reagan and all that. You know, it's like how did they make this film? Well, there's also another. The thing about Freddie is it, it, those uh, knives on his hands are a little bit like drag queen nails in many respects. <laughs> Never looked at it that way. <laughs> so there's a lot of campness going on with Freddie. Um, and Mark Patton, who played the final boy, <laughs> is gay. He was closeted at the time. Yeah. So, yeah. He, you know, he came out since. And isn't the director and writer now for years, they, 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 they deliberately did the gay subtext and themes. 
And I think the writer finally admitted about two years ago, yes, yes, I did. Yes. Uh, I think even some of the camera work is at groin level. I, I mean, it's really an it's totally. really anomaly of a film, I think, this one. But like this Zoom call. <laughs> it's not, actually, but I'm, I'm sure that Well, is. yeah, well, it's a Halloween special. <laughs> what have you come as, Tommy? <laughs> Catherine Deneuve. Okay. <laughs> Um, I'll come as Pinhead because we're going to move on to Hellraiser. If- I don't think I know Hellraiser. Like um, I know the name, but I don't think it's not. It's passed me by. It's the S and M one. Yeah, I mean, with the Xenobites, they're all. It's like a. It's like a gay leather club. Well, I'm. And it's, it's all about. It's all about pleasure. You like a bit of Hellraiser, don't you, Darren? Yeah, Hell- Hellraiser was. Uh, I hadn't seen it for a few years actually, but it was quite something when it came out, wasn't it? A low budget mm. British horror. Um, that really pushed boundaries because it was written by Clive Barker, wasn't it? Yeah. Who likes to d- dive into the darkness of such things? Actually, I thought you were going to get Clive Barker on this show tonight, but um, obviously we he did try. Um, par- <laughs> he couldn't make it. Um, so we'll, tied up. <laughs> we'll jump to interview with a vampire, which is completely homoerotic. A typical gay relationship. This one, isn't it? What, with Lestat. And uh, misery, yeah, whinging, and Louis with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt. (laughs) I mean, quite something, isn't it? Really, you look at it in retrospect. Is I wonder if Tom knew what he was doing, maybe not. Tommy, have you watched Interview with a Vampire? I have, yeah. I mean, it's a porn fest. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love the fact that they adopt this little girl as well, don't they, and dress her up like a doll, (laughs) yeah, like a plaything, yeah. she just needs more and more blood. It's a bit like Girls World. She's I'm like surprised that that's 1994 because it doesn't seem that old to me. But. No, but it's but it's uh, what 26 years ago now. Yeah, it's a long time ago. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I hadn't seen it for a few years actually. I don't know how it holds up, but uh, I just remember Tom Cruise being surprisingly good because he got a bit of a backlash when they cast him. They, oh really? Of him playing Lestat. Uh, how can Tom do this? But I think he did a really good job. Well, I think our Tom's a bit Lestat-like. Oh, he is, yeah. He's got the hair. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> You're like the head vampire of Bristol, aren't you? <laughs> I like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> Stranger by the Lake. Slap bang, up to date. I mean, I know it's like six years old now. But I love this film. It's I love it. technically not a horror film, but it is quite horrific in a way and very overtly gay, very sexual, almost a porn film because it's quite explicit. Very much, yeah, a few shots in there are pretty racy, aren't they? It's, um, I think somebody said it's like the, the, I read a review saying it's like the anarchic pull of lust. That's kind of the theme yeah. of it. It's very um, ca- carnal, I would say. It's a carnal film. I forgot. I forgot the serial killer element. I just remember the sex. And also the the kind of uh, love affair. I mean, is that a metaphor for gay relationships? Even if you know they're a potential killer, if they're hot, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And all, what are you trying to say? But also he killed the previous lover. So is that like he's killing killing off the existing relationship for something better? You know. Have you seen the David Tennant serial killer? Um, no, no, no I haven't seen it. Oh I my seen god! It. Yeah, is it Nielsen? Yeah, Dennis Nielsen. Oh yes, yeah. Des. 
Yeah, from Muswell Hill. Dennis Nilsson, yeah. I can see a cat. Yeah, yeah, this is George Michael. <laughs> so just up there. This is George Michael. Hello, George. <laughs> this is Tommy's new cat that went oh, missing. He, he went AWOL for a while, but he's back. He's back. Stranger by the Lake, I watched recently because I hadn't actually seen it. And it, rem- uh, uh, it it's very similar to Cruising in a way, uh, which is the... A lot less offensive than Cruising, though, isn't it? It's, 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 so, it's like a dream and it's beautifully made and it's, it's be- it is a beautiful, beautiful film, really, in many ways. But Cruising is, in, is a fascinating film as well, but it's, it's highly offensive, isn't it? Like a lot of things dated quite badly. And, and I guess Why is retro- it offensive? Well, it, it caused huge controversy when it's been even being made in London, cruising, mm. and it, in New York, sorry. Uh, there was demonstrations against this portrayal of, of, of the gay world as being perverted and perverse mm. and just sh- uh, putting everything in a bad light. Mm. But I guess that's something that's that's been in a lot of films and cinema throughout history, hasn't it? I mean, even Basic Instinct caused a huge mm. uproar, didn't it? Because... You know, the only good bisexual character is an evil one. Mm. You know, yeah. and that's the shame of it. Well, that's the thing. But that's the thing running through what we've been talking about tonight. That it's great that there was an outlet, or the this veil was an outlet for the monster, the outsider, and it's a queer trope. But how do we feel about being portrayed in this way in books and films? Uh, well, I mean, we talked about Psycho. There's Dress to Kill, but there's also... Um, Tootsie. <laughs> not <laughs> a horror film for other reasons. <laughs> but there's Silence of the Lambs as well, which are slightly yeah. problematic now. Well, is Psycho problematic now as well? Well, that's what I was wondering, is it? Because I think they're all great films, but, uh, you know, you you are more aware as you look back. But then um, I, I was reading something about this... Uh, earlier about the lack of gay and lesbian and bisexual characters in films now it's apparently a, a 10-year low right. and is it better to be represented as a fabulous kind of bad guy than nothing yeah i don't know uh, i, I mean, don't I think there's a lot of gay characters in tv things actually having said that yeah well um, i feel like tv is the new cinema oh of course yeah totally in many respects but i don't know if i don't know if i mind it that much well, yeah, because you want to play the parts, Bernard. <laughs> I mean, they're brilliant parts to play, aren't they? They're, they're brilliant parts to play. Um, but Who wants to be a romantic lead? Exactly. But also, because we we have been portrayed in society as the outsiders, we've been illegal, illegal, in a lot of countries we are illegal today, we are the monster. They're scared of us for some reason. And if that gives us power, I don't mind being portrayed in that way. To a certain extent, just embrace the power. I mean, you're right because uh, there's so much. They're actually a lot of countries are d- demonising gay, being gay still, aren't they? Totally, but more so than ever. Yeah, and um, even you could say, you know, the states. Yes, so it's gonna. Well, certainly at the moment. No, oh, yeah, absolutely. But this is where a lot of this came from in in horror in the in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. You know, the whole invasion of the body snatchers and all that. It's always a fear of something. Um, in society but also it's about being and we were talked about divine earlier and it's almost like unapologetically being what you are and owning that power and just because society sees you as a monster but that in in itself gives you power yeah 
And I think that's what John Waters was doing and Divine in their films, wasn't it? It was uh, just going for it. Totally. Anyway, on that note, let's let's close the cabinet of curiosities uh, on this special Halloween Day of the Dead horror version of what that old ghoul. Ghoulie. <laughs> 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 Who's ghoulies? Who? Anyway, uh, we'll we'll close the door. Does it needs oiling? Tommy. Yeah. Have you got any WD forty? Well, I might have. I'll have a look in my bag. <laughs> I've got some olive oil on the table. Virgin. Extra okay. Virgin. Extra virgin. I love an extra virgin. <laughs> Is it infused with chilli? <laughs> mm, there's a little bit of heat there, I think. <laughs> uh, Darren, as you're the same age as me, I'm going to include you in the pantheon of old queens. Welcome. I, I certainly am one. Certainly am. <laughs> Would you care to do some Queens of Agony with us? Oh, that'd be fabulous. Okay. Well, as long as it's not my letter I sent in. Well, one of them might be. I, I, I don't know if it's been screened or not by... My letters have never been read, no. <laughs> That's because I know who you are. <laughs> so I'm going to get the new bile gall to come in and ring the gong. He's quite quick at doing that, wasn't he? I think he's, he's waiting on... in the wings. Yeah, his arm fell off. He's under the cupboard and the stairs. Yeah. Um, Always. Just he waiting. It he's gonged it. Yeah, sorry, you can't hear it on the Zoom. Um, he's, sli- he's slightly out of camera shot. Anyway, dear old queens, is the physical attraction you feel towards your partner exclusive? Hmm. I have seen. I've been seeing someone for two and a half months now. Don't listen to this, George Michael. <laughs> <laughs> He's the sweetest I've known. We seem to get along really well. But for someone who's new into relationships, this is bothering my mind. Sometimes I find other guys more attractive than him. Don't get me wrong, I find him very attractive, but he doesn't check all the boxes I have created in my mind in terms of looks. I understand this is very superficial. On the other hand, he's kind, thoughtful, funny, caring, treats me well as a person, and he's everything I need from a partner in my life. So I like him, and I want to spend time with him and see where things go. But sometimes I feel guilty for finding someone else I see on the street more attractive than him. Is it unfair for him? Am I doing a wrong thing by keeping on seeing him? That's quite a long one. I haven't had one of those for a while. I was enjoying listening to you reading that and watching Darren's body language. (laughs) (laughs) Really? What was happening? (laughs) (laughs) He formed a very aggressive folding arm stance. Did he? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I was just kind of thinking, what, what do people want? You know, it's like there's a whole list of positives there. It sounds good to me. It's like, and if if you see some eye candy, that's just natural, isn't it? Just to find things attractive around you. I just think, well, what do people want these days? Do they want just to see one person? I just don't, I don't, I don't know. It just winds me up. Yeah, it feels like it's coming from a very heteronormative kind of angle, doesn't it? Like, it's very monogamous and that you're not allowed to find something else attractive, even though you're in love with that person. 
Mm. I don't like also, I hate to, ex- you know, if this person loves the show, I ha- I'm, I'm sorry if I'm feeling like I'm being rude to you, but I don't like the the idea that they've created all these boxes. That, that, yeah. That, like, where, why, why have they created these boxes? Yeah, well, I think... Um, I'm, I mean, it doesn't say how old they are, but I feel... It could be a very young person, I guess. Yeah, um, I feel like I did that when I was younger. Well, I would say, why are you writing into this show? Haven't you got better things to do with yourself? Let's face it, we burst through those boxes years ago, really, haven't we? But yeah, what, they want some There's wisdom. Extra-normative boxes. They want some wisdom from their queer elders, which <laughs> is probably get rid of the boxes. Get rid of the boxes yeah. and don't listen to us. And definitely de-box yourself a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Get rid of the boxes. Loosen up. Get out the box, get your partner out of the box, and um, play with him. And also, <laughs> life isn't a list, is it? It isn't about a list of a tick box of things, is it? It's You can't really control it, and that's what's fabulous about it. And yeah. if you meet somebody as well... You know, look for the things you like. There's plenty of things this person likes about the person they're seeing. Well, Sounds the, great. I think that, uh, I think we've talked about this before. There's, uh, it's really difficult to find someone who is going to tick all of your boxes. Like, I don't even think I've got any boxes. What are my boxes? Have you got no boxes left to tick? I don't, well, I don't know. Well, yeah, but things that you like about people or that yeah, for you find attractive I about them. Put, I haven't decided to make a box out of it. No. I guess, yeah, maybe the, it's the wrong terminology, but yeah, get rid of it. Just think about the positives and forget about the negatives. Latch on to the affirmatives. Uh, right. Don't mess with mystery in between. <laughs> oh, that's it. You're going to get a bill for that song now. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't know, you, don't know, you don't know the half of it, Darren. Um, okay, should we move on to the next one? Uh, I hope oh. I can make a song up at the end. Okay, great. Well, me too. <laughs> me too. Can I do a musical, a Halloween musical? <laughs> <laughs> so, dear old queens, I think my co-worker flirted with me. Ooh. There's this cute young man at my job that seems a really nice guy. In the times we've worked together, he said I was handsome. I just laughed it off. But recently... He was getting ready to leave work, and I asked if he was heading out. He goes, yeah, but I can stay if you want me to. And as he got a little close to me, he went, because you're my baby. (laughs) Is this a huge sign he's flirting or just fooling around? (laughs) That was actually going quite well into the end bit, wasn't it? Or or is he a serial killer? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think well, this is brilliant. on this is on message for Halloween again, right? So, yeah, it's. I mean, I, I mean, it's almost like it's planned. I want to meet him. <laughs> I think he sounds brilliant. It's quite exciting, to, I guess, to have to liven up your work day like that. I suppose with a little, little totally. Bit I mean, it sounds it sounds a bit scary when I do it, but I mean, I think he's obviously flirting with. <laughs> With you, right? No, I didn't think it sounded scary at all. I really liked it. Okay. <laughs> I felt like you were just talking to me. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> Bernie lowered his voice a little bit when he did the end. I got very close to the microphone. <laughs> I, th- I say go for it. 
Yeah, it's not it's not a problem, is it? It's a bit like it's Strangers by the Lake, isn't it? It's kind of exciting. <laughs> it is exciting, and I definitely would date the serial killer, especially if they've got like a really hot moustache. That's your idea of a, of a good first date. <laughs> That's my idea. Watching them kill their ex-boyfriend is my idea of a good first date. Totally. I don't know what's wrong with that. <laughs> I'm claustrophobic, Tara. <laughs> 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 okay <laughs> i think we need to move on right so uh next question dear old queens he lives this guy lives in houston texas wow. 49 and recently single and really needs some advice please i left an 18 year relationship now i'm 49 and single i have no idea what i'm doing i'm definitely not looking for another relationship I, oh, I want to dance with somebody. <laughs> Is it from Whitney Houston? From the Graves? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is serious. Sorry. <laughs> I find myself without any gay friends, none. I'm 49 with few people that can relate to this. Although you guys might. Getting to grips with the online thing sucks. That's it. Clock strikes upon the hour. <laughs> and the sun begins to fade. Isn't it, though? It yeah, is. he wants to dance with somebody. Yeah. 49 and just get coming to grips out of an 18-year relationship. I'm, I'm imagining it was a monogamous one. It seems like a very insular eighteen-year-old, eighteen-year-old relationship, doesn't it? Really? Yeah. He's now all at sea with no other social outlets or friends. Yeah, what, or why wouldn't you have friends? I don't understand. Especially after eighteen years, you think that'd be a good thing, wouldn't you? Just Sometimes, sort of... when you're in a relationship for eighteen years, you cut off everyone else that you, you know, had along the way. I mean, this sounds like a horror... Is that healthy? I'm saying that from previous life. I know, but this is like a horror story in itself, isn't it? It's just like you've been locked up for 18 years and now you're suddenly free and you don't know what to do with it. Is it like sleeping with the enemy? (laughs) Might be. Again, I think that's quite hot. Um... (laughs) Because Patrick Virgin's got a moustache in it. (laughs) Right? (laughs) You know, there's a theme. There's a pattern here, Virgin. (laughs) Um, I think, thank you for listening to the podcast. Get yourself out there. Get on the apps. Don't be scared of the online thing. And just start chatting to people. Did he say he was listening to the podcast? Well, he sent a, he sent a thing in. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someone just gave him the address. <laughs> Here, talk to these people about it. I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, it must be, you know, quite difficult because there's somebody who's kind of our kind of age yeah. Um, I guess it must be frightening, yeah, especially totally. the au fait with technology and how the modern world is. So it's it, that is a modern fear, isn't it, for, yeah. for, for a lot of people? Definitely. It's techno horror. I have an idea. Yes. Why don't you get a pussycat? Well, uh, that, that's obviously working no therapy. for... Therapy. Tommy's sitting here stroking his pussy in front of me. <laughs> and, is he dribbling? Um, <laughs> I hadn't noticed. But um, <laughs> but yeah, maybe yeah, maybe a pet is a way to go, or a puppy of some or, description, or a hobby, or or get to know people through a, a group. I mean, not that we can do that these days, of course, at the moment. Just to get a nice bottle of wine. Yeah, and a pussy. 
but you know, there's there's online Zoom meetups and things like that, and there's stuff oh, you can do outside. Walking, you know that kind of thing. There's walking groups, and there are things you can do that doesn't involve you just glued to a keyboard. Yeah, exactly. And it, the thing I, is, the thing is with life, it's not just gonna it's not gonna be served up to you on a plate. You have to go and find this stuff. I was gonna say get a hot desk, but I don't know why I was gonna say that. Mm. A hot what? Hot desk. Hot desk. All right. Yeah. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's been a long day. Should we move on? Dear old queens, have you ever been ghosted? As it's Halloween. How did you handle the situation? This guy I used to hook up with at least once a week suddenly started to ignore my messages. He didn't block me or anything, but I always see him online on Grinder. Made me feel like I'm not good enough. What should I do? My friend had that recently when they he said to him, um, actually, I've had to go back to uh, the Netherlands. Um, <laughs> but he could still see that he was, was on, on grind uh, <laughs> down the road. Down the road. <laughs> <laughs> with the, the distance written on there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's just being an idiot, isn't it? But not blocking him beforehand. Um, what do we think? I th- uh, I, it feels like this guy's putting too much onus on something which essentially was uh, a fuck buddy. Yeah, and also, is it worth knowing if somebody's going to do that to you? I mean, it's just move on, really. Although it's a horrible modern thing, that isn't it? The ghosting because you you could say you get that even with emails sometimes. You you know you're applying for a job or or, or something that people won't get back. You know, they just ignore that you're even a, there as a human being, and it's actually polite to get back and just say thanks but no thanks yeah totally i mean it is kind of it's a product of the modern times obviously and and also a bit we were talking about this a couple of episodes ago um with david and then i started to ignore you <laughs> and then yeah Did I'm, you ghost Bernie? I'm even surprised that we're actually in the same room tonight recording this no but we were t- are you <laughs> Or is this like, is is what that old queen like fight club? It's all in my imagination. Maybe it is. But sometimes we don't, because everything is online and emails and apps, we don't have the emotional awareness of actually Mm. saying to people, I don't want to... I really like you, but I don't want to see you at the moment. I'm looking for other things. Or we just tend to just ghost people because we're we're not emotionally it's easy mature. To deal with, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. For some people, it's uh, but I think it's it's definitely a, a skills that we're losing, or people are beginning to lose. The more it's just swipe and delete and ignore, there's a human being attached to the end of that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think I like to always like create an affirmative action that we can all deliver so if everyone just did that you know responded to a message and said thanks but no thanks or yeah i'm not in that space at the moment or i'm too busy taking my bins out you know like whatever it is that would be quite a positive outcome for people to have listened to this whole podcast and then thought i'll just do something like that yeah be great wouldn't it it would also, I think you need to realise that you know there might be stuff going on with this guy. Obviously, you've built up a bit of a bond because you've seen each other regularly, but maybe it was just sex and that's all he wanted. And maybe he's because you've been seeing each other regularly, he's not um, emotionally adult enough 
to realise that there's a bond growing or he mm. did realise there's a bond growing and just wants to run away from it because he, he doesn't like that. Which, again, means that you're worth more than that. So find someone who's going to treat you with a little bit more respect. Yeah, absolutely. Well, with that, we've come to the end of the show. Shall we all move on? I'm claustrophobic. <laughs> <laughs> I just love saying it, especially when Darren's in the house. <laughs> oh, am I? It was the other Darren. This is, this is Darren the second. I know. How do you feel to be the second Darren in the third well, season? Well, I've got to be the second Darren to the MBE Darren, haven't I, really? Right. So, you know. <laughs> It does make me second. Well, I I feel there's a damehood in the offing for you sometimes. You reckon? One yes, day. Dame Flaxton. <laughs> I look forward to it. <laughs> because of your many accolades, I'm sure you're going to get one more at least. <laughs> thank you. Criminal record more than that. <laughs> uh, Darren, thank you so much for being our guest on the What Thanks That Old Queen me. Halloween special. Um, I hope you've enjoyed yourself. It's been really good fun, and it's been nice to see Tommy and his pussy. <laughs> it's a ginger pussy as well. I mean, it's you gorgeous. know, it's gorgeous. gorgeous. Called, doesn't match the carpet. Called called George Michael. I mean, what's not to like? He's going to give us a song in a minute. <laughs> I, do you know what though? When when I'd lost George Michael, I was receiving a barrage. I'm going to say that because it's a strong word of text messages from people saying, you've got to have faith. You know, oh let's not go. He needs to go outside. Have you tried a different, have you turned a different, a different corner? corner? <laughs> like, it was like, and I was like, yes, everyone's saying this to me. Yeah, very funny. Yeah. It's all right. He's but just outside. I've lost my companion. Yeah. He just wanted his freedom. Yeah. <laughs> I had to, yeah Tommy, I, he, he, knew, he knew you were waiting for him. <laughs> Uh, and he wanted to go outside anyway uh on that note darren please say goodbye to our lovely audience goodbye lovely audience <laughs> thank you so much for being our guest this episode tommy say goodbye 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 we will see you next time on what that old queen <laughs> You have been listening to What? That Old Queen Written and presented by Tom Marshman and Bernie Hodges The show was produced by Bernie Hodges for Hodge Podcasting To contact the Old Queen please email hello at thatoldqueen.com or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You've nothing to stay for. You've nothing to live for, really, have you? Look down there. It's easy, isn't it? Why don't you? Why don't you? Go on. Go on. Don't be afraid. In the night. In the dark.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 